This is the Rabbit Rundown, presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I'm joined here by my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? It's going great. Um, great week of basketball for the Jackrabbits. Uh, we have a very, you know, fun weekend uh, and week of basketball coming up. Um, if you're a if you're a North Dakota fan, um, you are the enemy this week in all things Jackrabbit sports. So not only do we have the the men's and women's teams basketball teams playing uh, the NDSU and, and UND, but we also have obviously the big football matchup down in Frisco. Me and Jacob are both going, so. It'd be great to go five and zero against uh, the North Dakota schools this week. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be an interesting week of uh, of sports for you know in the athletic department there. So a lot of anti green uh, this week for sure. As a Vikings fan, I really hate green this week. So <laughs> um, for sure. But uh, before we got, dive into all this week's action in basketball, uh, we want to remind every everyone we are brought to you by Dakota Iron. On Dakota Iron, they have all your heavy equipment needs. If you have any uh, need for heavy uh, equipment, go to their 12th Street location or visit them online and they can help you out with whatever you're going to need uh, for your around the house projects or, you know, major renovations. But uh, yeah, with that being said, we're going to dive into some basketball. Uh, A lot of, lot more wins this week to talk about. Uh, games were actually played on like two weeks ago where, you know, everything was postponed. Um, with the men's side, it's pretty easy. Uh, both games were one six or 71 to 64. Uh, first game was against Western Illinois. Uh, major scores there obviously was Zeke Mayo with 33. I believe he had like a 13 0 run to end the game. Matt Dentlinger led the team in rebounds with nine and Zeke led in assists with two. In the St. Thomas game, Matt Dentlinger was the leading scorer for the Jacks, 22. Zeke had 11 rebounds and five assists leading the team. Cody, we'll start with the Western Illinois game. Obviously, Zeke having the big scoring outburst. Uh, we've seen it a couple times from him this year where he's thrown up some big numbers like that. But overall, on that Western game, what are some thoughts? Yeah, Zeke definitely came ready to play. I know he said his uh, in the post game that his grandma – challenged him to step it up a little bit after the uh the oral roberts game and so he took that to heart and and took her advice and you know he had an outstanding game that 13-0 run or whatever it was you know that he basically scored all the points for the jacks down the stretch to to bring him back from being behind and, and win the game they also got like seven stops to uh to close out the game in a row um and so it was just a a really good effort from the Jackrabbits back at Frost Arena. You know, like we've said a couple times, they haven't played many games in the non-conference here. So it was nice um, to get them back in Frost Arena because they needed it. You know, they had that big stretch of time off with the postponement and Christmas. And it seems like they did some things and made some adjustments to right the ship a little bit, got healthier, got some rest. Uh, We saw, you know, Matt Moores slip into the starting lineup for William Kyle that seemed to have a little bit better fit. The offense flowed a little bit better and things were just a little more connected. They also didn't turn the ball over, you know, quite as much as they have 12 points. And then the other thing I noticed, um, you know, in this game and the St. Thomas game is uh, they really limited the other team's leading scorers. So coming into this game, you know, Trenton Massner, and um, Alec Rosner were their two big scores, scoring like 16-some points a game. And they limited them to, you know, 15 and 6. And so that was a lot due to Matt Mims. He was playing really good on-ball defense. But mm. all in all, a, a good team effort. And it was nice to see that, you know, both Hendo, coaching staff, the team, everyone kind of looked themselves in the mirror over that long break and said, you know, we're, we're going to make some changes. We're going to – we're going to be better. We're going to get the rest we need and came out with a, you know, positive note back in frost. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up the lineup change. Um, I guess, you know, Moore's, like you said, Moore's has seemed more confident in this type of role. Maybe just, you know, starting might be kind of that you get more into the flow of the game that way. Um, seems like we get a lot more 
big moments from Will, uh, from Will, Will and Kyle now. Uh, you know, now it's more, you know, five minutes bursts of, you know, his peak athleticism, which when he's on the court, he's probably the most athletic guy out there uh, for either team. Obviously saw that in the next game that we'll talk about a couple of big blocks, a dunk or a couple of big dunks. So um, I think you're allowing him to, you know, maybe as a freshman, you know, get into the conditioning a little bit more, um, not expected to play, you know, 40, 30 minutes a game for an entire season. You know, as a freshman, he'd probably you know, his legs would be going out probably by the end of the year. This way, you know, they really do give him a chance to ease into conference play um, and into, a you know, more of a role where he is the focal point coming off the bench. And he's going to now be getting teams back up big a lot. So probably a lot bigger mismatch for him there as well. Um, I'm, I mean, I am just kind of curious, and I don't think we'll ever get a true answer on this, when that decision was made to kind of go to this lineup. Um, especially because, you know, before that, Moore's, wasn't out there, you know, lighting the world on fire coming off the bench. So I am interested to know, you know, if that Kansas City game was played, would he have started? Is that like, would they have made the change that quickly? Or was it, hey, we have this long break. Let's, you know, burn the tape and just start over and see what we can do. Because that is a, a big move and it was a risk because, like I said, Moore's hadn't been lighting the world on fire yet. So, um, you know, moving him into the starting lineup, uh, moving a guy like William Kyle, you know, and his athletic ability to the bench uh, for some more limited minutes is, you know, a pretty bold move by Hendo, but uh, so far it's worked out. Yeah, I think part of it, too, that we saw is that Matt Dentlinger kind of reflourished this year with the the lineup change. You know, start of the year, he played really well. He had that awesome game against Boise State where he hit the game winner. And then he was pretty quiet for a long stretch there in the non-con. And I think going back to that that lineup where he's the only big, you know, four guys that can shoot the ball around him, cutting, slashing, uh, and not necessarily playing next to Kyle was a, you know, better fit for him or he's just more used to that. He yeah. had touches that he maximized. And then, like you said, William Kyle, you know, instead of having to play 30 minutes and, and be a – someone that they lean on to score, he can be a guy that comes in, plays up, plays against the backup big, can get a couple easy buckets maybe, and and be that athletic defensive stopper. Um, and they can change the lineups around that way. So it is interesting, like you said, I don't know if we would have saw it in the Kansas City game. I think it, in my eyes, it probably happened over that long break. They probably wouldn't have switched things up between a Thursday, Saturday, just because that's a quick turnaround. Um, and so it probably happened over the break when they, you know, took some time to look themselves in the mirror, but all in all, it seems to be a change that's, you know, heading the team in the, in the right direction, uh, at least, you know, for these two games. Yeah. And I guess, you know, as we're talking about it, another thing that's, you know, Hendo did make note of how they're still not making a final decision on Apple uh, for the season. I think this is maybe more of a move also in the direction of, Hey, we're not going to see him again this year. Um, you know, when he was going to be playing, it was, you know, pretty evident, like, hey, we're, we got three guys at that, you know, five position, let's try to play two of them at the same time. And now that he's not coming back, it's like, okay, now maybe we're a little bit uh, less there, because obviously Broden, Broden's obviously getting some more minutes with this rotation as well. Um, but I wonder if they're like, hey, we're, you know, not as deep as we were to start the year now at the five. So let's, uh, you know, let's put Will there coming off the bench and like you said, we're not super deep at guard, though, either. So, you know, playing more guard time here, you know, you are uh, going to be making those guys work a little bit harder. But so far, you know, it's it's worked out. Um, Zeke with a huge 33-point game, obviously, in that first one. Uh, kind of letting everyone get settled in. Kind of reminiscent of the Eastern Washington game, how it ended. Um, how, the you know, SEC kind of just like, okay, time to flip the switch. We're going to go win this game, so... Uh, obviously, both games at Frost Arena, so that helps. But yeah, that was uh, you know a lot, a lot happened coming out of the break that no one really knew about, and probably caught Western off a little bit. But um, the good thing in a game like this, uh, just um, stick going away from the lineup, uh, Trenton Mastner, obviously big focal point for the offense for Western. Um, SCSU did a pretty good job of you know slowing him down. He did have 15 points, but uh, you have to remember this is you know the main score for um, Western. We've seen at times where a guy like him can go off for 25, 30 against us. So 
hold them down to 15 is a win, I think, in my book. Yeah, and he had to do it on 19 shots, so he was not efficient. He had to use a lot of shots to get kind of close to his average, and so um, it was good to see. I think Mimsy played tremendous defense on him, um, and, you know, he's he's played good defense throughout most of the season, but that was a challenge for him that he took personally, I think, and he made it work. And um, we also got an update on Charlie after the game. Uh, I think it was this game. It might have been the St. Thomas game. He's not going to be back probably till early February, it sounds like. So, you know, they're going to be in this where they they have kind of eight guys available and they're playing eight guys. And it will be interesting to see if there's any games where they get in a little foul trouble or someone, you know, maybe maybe tweak something and has to come out for a minute what they do with the rotation because there isn't a lot of wiggle room. You know, they, yeah. they could get to a point where they they're only have six or seven guys available. So it'll be really good to hopefully get Charlie back. And then, you know, the, the decision on Apple is probably leaning towards not playing this year. I would guess kind of just based on how everything's shaken out, but yep. Um, overall it was, you know, a close game back and forth, like you'd expect conference basketball to be in the summit league. And uh, really good that, you know, Zeke came, came on late and, and, and helped propel the team to victory because I think, they needed that confidence boost uh, coming out of the Oral Roberts game. And one other note on the Oral Roberts game we weren't necessarily aware of um, is that it sounded like the team was pretty sick heading into that game. And there were some guys that were playing through some illness and um, it it maybe got to a point where the, the final score was a lot worse than maybe what it would have been had everyone been, been fully healthy and, and you know, not bogged down from travel and illnesses. Okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't even hear that. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think going back to your point about the rotation, um, just kind of watching how things are set up on the bench, um, I believe Kalen is redshirting. Uh, I haven't paid attention all year, but Jack was dressed. So I think that is our answer. You know, if, if they're desperate for a player and they need to make a decision in that game, Obviously, the walk-on is going to be the guy that, you know, is going to lose a year of eligibility versus a um, guy on the scholarship. So, Jack would probably be the guy coming in. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll see him if they get some blowout games, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't believe he played in the St. Thomas game. I could be wrong. So, maybe this is a recent thing with Charlie being out. They're like, hey, you know, we're not pulling the red shirt, but we might have to. So be ready in case we have to, just because it is, like you said, a limited bench. Um, and yeah, the health thing that is, you know, that would make sense. Just kind of the way the weekend went um, and how they looked in the second game as well. So, you know, that does make sense. Um, so they didn't obviously at, at all times didn't look great, but they did find the spurts. So um, that would make sense. Um, I don't really have any notes left of that Western game. So we'll move into the St. Thomas game. Like I mentioned earlier, um, where they beat uh, St. Thomas, same score, 71 to 64. Uh, this was a big, you know, Matt Dentley are coming back out party uh, with the 22 points. Uh, then Zeke again with 11 rebounds and five assists. Uh, kind of going against my point earlier about Matt, how they played against Mastner. Um, they did not do that against uh, St. Thomas and Brooks Allen. Brooks Allen scored 30 points. You know, they did hold guys like Riley Miller, who is generally the better or the big, big score for them down to only six, but obviously Brooks Allen, uh, kind of probably a game of his career with 30 points, uh, would be my guess. And wasn't a huge fan of him kind of chippy player. When I was watching the game, just not a guy that I was, uh, too thrilled to watch play basketball, but, uh, yeah, he kind of, maybe it's cause he was lighting us up too. But, um, I guess that's a little bit different too. Usually we're used to short guards. He was a forward, um, you found some matchup, you know, issues. We were obviously still working through, I think, defense with the fours. Uh, that's kind of where he was picking his poison was matchup against, you know, Bron and Matt and some of those awkward, do you guard him at the three, help in the paint type situations. So they found a mismatch there. Maybe the other teams will exploit it, but, you know, gave up 30 points to one guy and um, 34 to the rest of the team. So obviously they played pretty good defense on everybody else. Yeah, and they continued on the offensive end to 
I think looked more comfortable with things and the flow was more there. Like we saw early in the year, you know, once again, Matt Dentlinger, 22 points. I think he only missed, you know, he had four free throws. He was four for four from the free throw line and only missed one of his 10 shots from the field. So 22 points from him, I think like 16 in the second half was great. Matt Moore started again, you know, he had eight points in this one. So his, his scoring production has increased a little bit with that starting role. Um, and we saw Zeke, you know, he, he didn't have his, his huge game like he did against Western Illinois, but he facilitated the ball. Well, he had five assists, 11 boards, uh, you know, along with 12 points. So double, double for him. And, you know, it, it looks like this could be the formula, you know, moving forward that, that seems to be working and Kyle off the bench, obviously had some big moments for him. And it, it was nice that, uh, once again, defensively, they, they limited the team's best players, you know, Riley Miller, Parker Bjorkland are probably their best players coming into this matchup. And they had 11 total points. Brooks Allen went off for 30. I think, you know, part of that is game plan. We're not prioritizing him. The other part is he just had one of those nights, you know, a career night. I, I don't think, if we played him again and came with the same matchup, he probably would score that many, but also, you know, something to be aware of moving forward that uh, we got to figure out how we're going to guard that. You know, if there's a dynamic four like that and how we're going to guard teams like that, but a good effort um, got control of the game in the second half. And, you know, St. Thomas tried to make it interesting down the stretch, but we battled, we used the home crowd to our advantage and frost made free throws down the stretch and ended up coming away with a another victory. And I think the team is seven and all when holding teams under 70 points this year. So that seems to be the, uh, the magic number. If you can, you know, keep them under 70 uh, and play good defense, we'll find the offense. For sure. And uh, hard to find a gripe on wins, but I kind of had one in this game. Um, you know, Matt Dellinger, like we said, had 22 points, nine to 10 shooting, very efficient. I don't know this for sure, but it felt like the last 10 minutes he didn't shoot the ball. Like, he didn't get the ball to shoot. Um, when you have a clear mismatch like they have at the five against St. Thomas, and you have a guy like Matt that is hot, started out nine for nine, if I'm not wrong, he should have had 30 points, 35 points. I think at one point in a group chat I was saying, Matt's going to have, a, you know, 20 points, like midway through the first court, first half, and then about five minutes later, I'm like, okay, maybe we're looking at 30, because, you know, he just went on a boom, 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 boom basket after basket type role. And then it kind of went to halftime. They came out, fed him a couple more times. And then just like, okay, where's where's Matt at? Where, why, why is he not getting the ball again? Because um, it seemed like whenever he got the ball in the post, you know, he made a move, he was at the rim, ball went in. It seemed like after he missed his one shot, the offense went back to kind of the way it's been going, the um, work around type thing. Not really like playing inside out, which I mean they're not going to play inside out every game and every possession. But when you have a clear mismatch like they had, and you had a guy that is clearly the hot hand, like when Zeke's hot, Zeke's going to get the ball and score. So I guess my gripe would be like, hey, Matt's hot, and you know clear mismatch. Let's feed him because even when, like when William Kyle was in the game, he had six points off the bench also, and Grown had four. So we are clearly feeding the block or feeding the post down low. Um, because our bigs what scored combined 32 points so I guess in that kind of mismatch why we didn't just keep feeding that that five like the ball all game until they either stopped it or we found some mismatch or something else uh, especially when we shot you know 26 percent from three um, it felt like that could have been used more and probably would have made the game a little bit more comfortable because St. Thomas was able to kind of come back into, into the game a little bit um, but I do think, you know, why not just keep feeding the guy? Because he's obviously, you know, feeling at that game and you're not going to, obviously you're not going to get somebody hot every game. So when someone does get going, let's, you know, ride the hot hand and try to use that a little bit more. No, I, I do agree. I think, you know, they did go away from him a little bit in that second half. I think part of it was because St. Thomas kind of what helped get him back in the game is they put that you know, full court token pressure on and sped things up for the Jackrabbits. And, and when we got sped up, we we didn't get back to our, you know, 
offense that we had been running and we're just playing a little too fast and, and, you know, didn't feed Matt in the post. And so that was a a good adjustment by St. Thomas that got him back in the game. And then, you know, we did just enough to counter it in the end, but um, I agree. You know, in the, in the closing minutes, you know, we should have been going to Matt for, for buckets down low, but all in all, if that's our biggest gripe, Yep. Uh, is you know the the leading score didn't get quite enough touches in a win. It's probably a positive thing uh, overall because you know two wins at home got a chance to go above five hundred in this upcoming week. Um, you know you're above five hundred in Summit League play, and uh, things seem to be that you know hopefully the the worst is behind them. There was a, a rough stretch there, and you know partly due to injuries, partly due to travel, partly due to just scheduling. But it seems like they've got some things figured out, and it's good that they're generating some some positive momentum. Agreed. And with that being said, we can kind of move into some of that non-conference or the other uh, conference matchups coming up here. Um, like you mentioned earlier, it is hate North Dakota week. Uh, start off with the men against North Dakota State um, and the Bison. Um, Bison led by Grant Nelson, who's averaging 16 points a game. Also leading the team in with rebounds at eight. Um, so yeah, you know, as NDSU not off to their best start to the year. Um they are one and two in conference play. So, you know, like I said, not their best start. Not, it seems like they're never never start out awesome in conference play. Uh they have losses to Western Illinois and to St. Thomas with a win against UND. Um UND, you know, we'll get to them here in a little bit, but they're obviously not having a great year either. Uh, obviously not easy to win in Fargo, but a uh, game that right now, the way the Bison are playing, you kind of expect SCCU to go up there and get the win. Yeah, I mean, the the Bison only have two D1 wins this year, one being that last game that they played against North Dakota last week. Um, in the non-con, their only win was against Portland, um, which was a good win for them in, in the non-con. But, you know, they had some, some loss. They lost Eastern Washington – um, they lost to Montana and, and, you know, they started conference play. They lost two games by double digits to Western and St. Thomas. So it is a game that you expect SDSU to, if they play the way they did probably the past two games against Western and St. Thomas, where they were a little more connected offensively, limited the turnovers, you know, shut down some scores. Uh, you know, it, it should be a win for the Jackrabbits, but you got to go up to Fargo Grant Nelson also plays a position where it is kind of that matchup problem that we saw in the St. Thomas game, that that big man that can play inside and out. You know, how are they going to guard him? What are they going to do adjustment-wise will be a big key because, you know, if, if you do stop him, they don't seem to really have at the moment other guys that can that can fill it up and get it going to, to make up for, you know, Grant's lost production. Yeah, see, that's a game you wonder if, can't remember who guarded him last year. Was I it? Think, I think Doug ended up being on him most okay. of the time. Okay. If I remember correctly. So maybe it's just something where you see William get a little bit more minutes in this type of game and play that defensive role. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll probably throw Moores at him. Um, they'll probably throw Alex at him a little bit. Just, you know, throw a little bit of different at, a little bit, you know, everybody at him and just see what happens and, They'll probably, I mean, North Dakota State will try to work him in a matchup. So if Matt Dunlinger is on him, he'll play outside, try to beat him off the dribble. If Alex is on him, try to go down low, that kind of stuff. So we'll see. You know, like you said, the Bison haven't been humming yet. So even if he gets going, you just have to limit everybody else. Um, yeah, you know, like we said, should be a win. Should should leave Fargo with a win, but not an easy place to get a win. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, kind of that point in the season now for SDSU, we're starting to see what this team is really made of. Um, and, you know, after that North Dakota State game, they do go up to Grand Forks, uh, where the Fighting Hawks. And just a by... oh, yeah, couple more points. Yeah, just a couple more points on the NDSU game before we moved to UND. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think you brought up a good point with Kyle. I think we do see him play some more minutes if, you know, he's the probably the best matchup uh, you know, personnel wise for the Jackrabbits. We could also maybe, you know, we haven't seen it much in the Hendo era, but maybe see him play a little zone. Um, they, I don't know if NDSU's seen a lot of zone this year so far, but 
Um, you know, they're 250th in the country in three point percentage. They don't offensive rebound, you know, they're 333rd in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So it's not like they, they really are going to kill you on the glass or from deep in most games going off what they've shown this year. So, you know, if you're really struggling to, to guard grant and you maybe want to throw a wrinkle at him, a, a little zone defense might, might be something, but, um, that's kind of my two cents. We ha- we haven't seen it much in the Henderson era. I know he doesn't like to do it. So, you know, they might just stick to what they've been playing all year and what they're used to. But, you know, if they- if there's a wrinkle thrown in there, it could be that. It wouldn't be a bad wrinkle. Um, you know, even if it's something you're not going to do a whole game, but throw it at them, see how they adjust to it, and maybe, you know, save it for, you know, when it really matters type thing too. So, obviously, you're not going to give away the whole game plan for – you know, obviously when you're playing in Sioux Falls, but you also don't want to go into Sioux Falls and be like, hey, let's just try a zone. So um, we'll probably see, I would guess we'll see some sort of matchup zone or something like that just to, you know, really just see how they react to it, see if Grant can, you know, handle the specific change. And let's be honest, Grant can be a hothead. SCCU could really get, like, even if Matt's guarding him a little bit, uh, Mims, I should probably clarify which Matt now because we play three. Um, if Mims plays him, is you know that little bit irritant out on the wing. Obviously, you're not going to see him try to guard him down low. But if he can irritate him outside and you know make him pick up a couple dumb fouls, we saw him instigate a fight last year against Oral Roberts. I'm not saying he's going to do that in this game, but you know there are signs out there that you can get in his head. So um, we'll see if that kind of plays into it also. Because if you know the best player for a team is like that and you can take advantage of it, you might as well see if you can. No, totally agree. And, you know, other than that, I think it's just it is a rivalry game in a big rivalry week. You know, you can never underestimate that, especially going up into Fargo where the Jacks have had some recent success. But um, it'll be, you know, a good matchup to see what happens. And after that, then we have North Dakota. Yeah, and I'll go into that North Dakota game here. Uh, I think it's a game that is you would almost consider a must win, just the way the Fighting Hawks have been. Playing this year, they're 0-2 in conference play, have not been, you know, really anything special, anything really worth talking about. They are led by their leading scorer forward, uh, B.J. Omot, if I, hopefully I said that last name correctly. Um, He's averaging about 11 a game. But uh, really, this will just come down to, does SDSU come in focused? Uh, You know, if they come off a big one against NDSU, do they come in kind of with that hangover type feel? So, um yeah, you know, obviously road game Grand Forks, not great, but I, this is a you know a team that a, a game that SDSU you know should win by ten plus points. Yeah, it's like you said, it is kind of in terms of trying to set up their season, it is kind of a must win game. You know, they UND actually started the the non conference season out not bad. I think at one point they were five and three, um, with some good wins in, in the non conference, and then played some tough opponents. Kind of limped into to the conference schedule, and then they lost their their first two matchups against St. Thomas and against NDSU. They had a, a cancellation or two in there as well. Um, and then you know they also have to play USD Thursday night first, uh, which that won't be an easy matchup for them. But it they they really don't have a roster that scares you all that much. Uh, no one on the team is a guy that can really go off. You know, Omot's a nice player, but he's also a freshman. You have, you know, Mitchell Sucre, veteran player, coming off an injury last year who who can can make some things happen. And, and Brady Danielson's also a, a veteran guy that can hit some shots. But overall, if um, you don't get, you know, the, the turnovers going uh, like SDSU has had in the past um, and, and you, you rebound the ball well and, and play your style of basketball, it, it's really – should be a should be a win for the Jacks. Yeah, so um, I don't really have a whole lot of notes on the Fighting Hawks. Obviously, not a great season. Probably up there with one, as one of the worst teams the Summit League's had in the last you know few years. It seems kind of harsh, but uh, true at the moment. Uh, just super confusing what's going on there. Obviously, you know they've lost what you now three straight freshmen of the years or whatever some stupid number. Uh, one of them's you know in Vermillion barely playing so. Um, interesting moves there, but uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing a lot of those freshmen do 
uh, those guys, if they could come back and make their decision over, they'd probably still be playing in Grand Forks because it, I don't think any of them have really made a successful move out of Grand Forks. So they have been very unlucky. You know, if you have three straight freshmen of the year, you're obviously doing some sort of recruiting right that are just getting, you know, volume shots for individual players. But, um, yeah, they've had some tough breaks on the recruiting trail. But, uh, yeah, it's probably one of the worst teams we've seen in the Summer League in the last few years. So should be a, a win up in Grand Forks. Obviously, you're traveling. Some other things can play into it. But um, I'm fairly confident that as long as SDSU can get out of Brookings, I don't know what the snow's like up there. I know I'm in Omaha, so I'm not dealing with the weather like everyone in Sioux Falls is. I don't know what Brookings looks like. I know I've heard some you know big snow reports across the state, but I don't know Brookings. Hopefully they can get out of town. Um, hopefully the football team can get out of Brookings now that we're talking about it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that going on right now. But um, outside of like the travel, um, yeah, just like I said, it's, you're, you should feel fairly comfortable going into that game. Yeah, they're 333rd 10-pound rating out of like 350-some NCAA D1 teams. So, you know, very, very bottom of the the country. But it is a conference game. It's a road conference game. you got to come in. You can't overlook it. Um, so uh, you still have to play the games. And hopefully they can get up there, you know, weather-wise. I don't know if we've heard from the Summit League what they're going to do about those postponed games at the moment. They still say postponed for now but they haven't been rescheduled um, and, but they don't say canceled. So I think they're, they're trying to play those games, but you know, we'll see what happens. And um, hopefully these games this week uh, go off uh, as regular as well. But with that, I think we'll uh, transition over to the women's side of things. No, I agree. Um, That's all I have on that men's side. So we'll move over there. Before we get into the, women's recaps from this past week we're going to talk to you guys about drake's place we've been talking about them all year drake's place is your one-stop convenience um store in bowdle south dakota if everything you'll ever need if you're traveling on the road they got great food they got gas they got all your convenience store needs so make sure if you're in the bowdle area to stop into drake's place they've been having some lunch specials um every day you know recently i know they've they've had some meatloaf and mashed potatoes they've had some calzones some chicken tortilla soup it all sounds very good so make sure to stop into drake's place in bottle south dakota if you get a chance for sure do that obviously you know we brought up how they have a lot of soups right now it's perfect time to get into those soups so yeah stop in there um but now we're going to dive into the women's side of things and we will start the same way with the women as we did with the men and go over the last couple of games that they uh, just played. Uh, they came off two more victories. Uh, first game against Western Illinois, winning 85-63. to 63. Uh, Kept my prediction alive for one more game, my bold prediction. Um, Peyton Burkhardt led the team with 19 points. She also had eight rebounds leading the team. Tori Nelson had five rebounds. Um, and then the St. Thomas game, uh, ended all my hopes and dreams of a bull prediction being true. Last year was the Baylor Shireman triple double that never happened. This year it's the women winning every conference game after the first one by 20 plus. Uh, this one was 61 to 51, a measly 10 point win uh, over St. Thomas. Uh, leading score was Tori Nelson with 16. I believe she had her 1,000th point in that matchup. Uh, Peyton Burkhardt led the team with seven rebounds. Paige Meyer had four assists. Uh, Cody will go back to the Western game. Um, obviously a big road victory for the women. Uh, I believe the first road game they've played in conference this year. Um, or no, like, nope, it is the first one, right? Yeah. So I guess going into it, Cody, what are your thoughts on that initial uh, win for the Jackrabbit women? Yeah, of the two, this was the one that we kind of expected how it actually went. You know, mm-hmm. neither of these teams in Western and St. Thomas are are on the up and up. They're kind of, of down towards the, the middle to bottom part of the conference. And we expected the, the Jackrabbit women to go in there and, and roll. And against Western Illinois, they did just that. I mean, they had uh, Peyton Burkhardt with her season high in 19 points. Uh, they had 56 total rebounds as a team. So just really cleaned up the glass, 16 of those offensive rebounds. 
got to the free throw line 22 times, converted at a pretty good clip there. You know, they they didn't turn the ball over excessively. They, they had 15, uh, but they really just played their style of basketball and, and did what they needed to. You know, they got Peyton going. You know, Torrey Nelson had a really nice game. Paige Meyer and Madison Vlaston and Callie Tyson contributed quite a bit off the bench. They also got some of the end of the bench players in the game for a little bit. So all in all, a really good victory from the Jackrabbits. They continue to just, you know, churn out wins in conference play and play pretty well. Um, and, you know, JD and, and Western can sometimes pose a little bit of a threat just because they're well coached. But uh, in this one, Jackrabbits got out to a big lead in the first quarter once again, uh, double-digit lead at the end of the first quarter and, and didn't really look back uh, over in Macomb. Uh, yeah, and uh, really this is probably the first game in a while where you've seen the team led by all three forwards. Um, you know, obviously Maya's been carrying the team forward quite often this year with, uh, you know, her offensive output. Um, just obviously, you know, playing like the uh, more than likely some of the league player of the year that she's going to get. Um, but, you know, Peyton uh, really saw her uh, get into her, you know, groove over this weekend. 19 points in this game, like I said, 7 of 13 shooting. Um, really all of her shots looked like they were from missed shots were from the three point line, all but one were from the three point line she missed. Um, and then Tori Nelson had one of her better games of the year too, with 13 points. So good to see those three, uh, you know, really getting a groove. Maybe, you know, not that I'm, you know, that they really need to, to win the rest of the conference games, but it is good to see those three to get comfortable because they'll need them down the stretch and, you know, hopefully in the tournament, uh, to be playing big and, um, way to do that is just get them confident now. So it's good to see those three really uh, start to groove here in the first conference game. Yeah, and, you know, Tori's one that we haven't seen her necessarily be as consistent of a score uh, as she has maybe in a couple, couple of the past seasons. Um, you know, she's had some nice games, but hasn't really been in the double digits too much. Um, you know, part of it just maybe not taking as many shots as, as she did, uh, but – Good to see her, you know, have a nice game and, and contribute. And then, you know, she has a really nice game the following game against St. Thomas that we'll wait to get into. But, um, you know, they're they're going to need those veteran veteran players to have games like that. Um, and I think if the forwards continue to to start scoring more and more, that hopefully continues to open up the three point line. You know, we haven't seen a game where they've really shot it that well yet. Um, 29% in this one. Uh, Madison Veloston, I think, you know, she's been shooting the ball really well off the bench, almost hitting probably two or three a game, it seems like. I don't know stats-wise exactly what she's been shooting on the year. See if I can find Let's it here. I was pulling it up here as you were talking. Um, I think 39% from three. So yeah. she's she's definitely leading the team there. Uh, and that's, you know, a big value off the bench that she's been providing with that shooting and scoring. And, you know, Paige continues to get, you know, she played 19 minutes in this one. So she continues to play some minutes and and pick her spots and um, help just get her back to more comfortable. And uh, all in all, a really good win and kind of as expected from the, the women in this one. Yeah. And um, we'll get into the next game here shortly, but uh, kind of like I jokingly said earlier, um, I didn't have the prediction of, you know, 20 point, 20 point wins and kind of weird, uh, honestly, having those expectations and uh, they're probably not reasonable. They're obviously not reasonable. Um, but you know, the fact that we can, I can say that and not, you know, get laughed off of the, the show, um, is saying something about like, you know, the expectations for the year. So, um, I think we say, I say this a lot, but with the expectations being so high when they just meet them. And just like a whole hum game, it's you know really hard to dive really into the details. Just other than the fact that you know seeing those players be comfortable, starting to see some you know players on the bench emerge like Boston there, um, you know Paige Myers, she's really starting to see uh, her minutes you know become more consistent. Obviously, the first week we saw her play twenty one minutes, and then only six the next game. Uh, this week she did average twenty minutes, nineteen the first, twenty one the second. So probably expect that kind of minute numbers from her throughout the year. Uh, maybe they'll pick it up a little bit more towards conference play, but um, you know, the way they're grooving right now, she's a big player coming off the bench for them. So if they can get her going, you know, back to hundred percent, 
Um, hard to really disrupt the flow. Um, but yeah, that'll be you know interesting to see how they kind of use her as a weapon uh, down the stretch. Um, and and interesting, kind of... interesting to see if she'll end up getting into that starting lineup or if they'll just continue to use her in this kind of off the bench role. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably thought uh, when we first saw her that she would eventually get to the starting lineup, but you know it's you know it's been four games or so, and you know we've seen some bigger minute games, maybe a little more consistency right now in that twenty minute mark, and maybe that's what we'll see for the whole year. It, it's hard to say at this point, but it, it's maybe looking a little bit less likely that she'll crack into that starting lineup, um, and more just be a someone that can come in off the bench and play starters minutes, but, you know, help provide value there. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, it's, it's a nice, uh, I don't know the right word for it, but it's a nice luxury to have for, uh, you know, SCCU to have a player like Paige who, you know, if she wasn't hurt, if she didn't get hurt last year, her and Maya probably come in as the two favorites for player of the year. Um, So um, it'll be very interesting to see how, her role develops like, you know, we've kind of said a couple times on here, see how that develop uh, role develops throughout this year. And, um, you know, at some point, I don't know if they'll insert into the starting lineup just because maybe they like the five they're starting with right now. But, you know, if they are having some issues with the three, maybe they move her in as a third guard, uh, move one of the forwards down and have them come off the bench a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe it's a matchup thing where, you know, bigger teams, they play the three forwards, smaller, quicker teams. She gets more minutes. You know, we're really going to um, just see, because we've seen, you know, SDSU in the past have the, the luxury of going, you know, five versatile players, you know, kind of playing multiple positions. Obviously, Paige being a little bit smaller um, kind of limits the versatility they have. But with a veteran like Drew, um, you know, Drew's also having some injury, you know, stuff to start the year as well. So uh, maybe, you know, they'll just limit her minutes a little bit too. Have them both play 20-ish minutes a game really not overextend themselves, but get them both in the group of the game. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how it you know plays out all year. And it seems, you know, last kind of comment here on this game, it seems like the bench roles are pretty well defined. And, you know, other than where Paige might move, I think they're going to pretty much play 10 people most of the year, it seems like, you know, with um, Madison Vlosten coming back in and playing meaningful minutes off the bench. And then you have, uh, obviously, Callie Tyson's been playing a lot of minutes off the bench all year, backup post. And then, you know, the two freshmen in Brooklyn Meyer and Madison Mathewitz, you have them still playing, you know, 10, 12 minutes a game. And then Paige, uh, we'll see. But that being able to go 10 deep with not too much of a drop off in, in mm-hmm. talent and expectations, that's going to be huge for them this year. Because, you know, we've seen in the past them probably eight or nine deep but I don't know if we've seen them truly like a, a 10 deep rotation like this. Line changes. Um, and then you also have a player, Ellie Colbeck, who hasn't been playing very much as of late that has experience from earlier in the year of starting against some really good teams. So, uh, you know, that's an 11th player. If there's foul trouble or injuries that can come in and, and feel comfortable with the moment. So, uh, you know, hopefully no one has to really play extended minutes this year and they can, like we said last week, be one of the freshest teams going into the Summit League and NCAA tournaments. Yeah, and at this rate, they're definitely going to be. Um, and those big wins obviously help with that as well because you can start going, what are they, 12, 13 deep then once they start having those big blowouts because everyone did play this last game as well. Um, but we will move into the the mere 10-point victory uh, over St. Thomas, 61-51. Uh, to 51. Uh, like we mentioned, Tori Nelson had 16 points leading all scores. Peyton Burkhardt had seven rebounds, and Paige Meyer had four assists coming off the bench, so being a good facilitator there. Um, Cody, major takeaways from this game. I think we're both kind of surprised. On I figured if any of them was going to be closer, the other one would probably be a little bit closer, but you know, St. Thomas did show up. It is a you know, second of a uh second game of their first road trip, so maybe a little bit of fatigue. I know it was a little bit earlier. It was a I think a one o'clock tip on New Year's Eve. So maybe more of a, like, let's just get back to Brookings so we can, you know, have a New Year's Eve kind of thing. But um, yeah, what are you, you know, your initial takeaways from this game? Yeah. So this game, St. Thomas came out ready to play um, on their home court. You know, they were up a little bit early, I I want to say, and then 
SDSU kind of took a bigger lead heading into halftime. I think they were up double digits. And then third quarter got outscored by nine points and St. Thomas pulled pulled back in. Um, they never really – I didn't feel like SDSU was ever not in control of the game. But yeah. St. Thomas certainly made it, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. And then as a lot of times what happens, SDSU has a, a really nice defensive fourth quarter. They do enough on the offensive end to get the buckets they need and, and they come away with a, you know, a mere 10-point victory like you said. But – Never felt like they were really out of control after that second quarter, um, and, and you know, in in an area where they could lose the game. But you know, it's it's St. Thomas put up uh, more of a fight than expected, and um, you know, you are going to have some of these games when you're playing conference games on the road. That's just that's how it goes. You're not going to always be at your best. Uh, you know, I think they had maybe a number of turnovers in this one. Let me. Sorry, I got off my page with the stats. But, yeah, they had 16 turnovers in this one um, and only 10 assists. So they, they didn't move the ball nearly as well in, in this game. But um, still good that they, they got away with the victory. They didn't shoot the ball too well from the three-point line once again, but got to the free-throw line, you know, won the battle um, in terms of free throws. They did lose the rebounding battle, so – Maybe just a game where they didn't have quite as quite the energy that they they needed for a road game. And uh, I guess I did this with the guy side too. I kind of had a little bit of a gripe um, with this, you know, how the math thing went. So I'll have I'll do the same thing in this one because you know we need to throw a little bit at like what's going on here, even though they're winning every game. Um, what do you think is going on with that three point, you know, the three point shot this year? Last year, the best. I mean, both men and women aren't shooting as good as they did last year. Obviously, men had a lot of turnover. Women, virtually none. Uh, you know, obviously, Tylee Irwin, big loss. It wasn't like she was somebody that was, you know, shooting 10 threes a game and making nine of them. So where's the drop-off? What's happening, I guess? Um, the players that hit them last year are, you know, playing a lot of minutes this game. Obviously, I forgot about Lindsay Thunick is also, you know, she was a good three-point shooter. But it's just like, man, where has that production gone? Because it seems like it is. You know, they're winning all these games, which is great, while shooting it poorly. So I'd assume they'll turn it around. But where do you think this is coming from? Is it because they're not playing as many minutes and, you know, not getting into the flow of the game the same way they did a year ago where, you know, maybe they were playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Now they're just playing around that 20-ish minutes. Does that have to do with it? Or what do you think kind of plays into it? Yeah, um, I think partly for both the men and the women, they are – they had a historic season in terms of three point, like they led the country in three point shooting percentage. Mm -hmm. Very hard to be like number one or that good two seasons in a row. So there's always going to be a little regression. Yep. Um, but on the women's side, I think part of it is one, I would say one of their best three point shooters last year was Paige. She mm -hmm. obviously hasn't been because she was out and then she's coming off the bench. She hasn't been shooting the volume of threes that, that she was last year. Um, you know, they also had Haley Greer last year who made a couple threes here and there. I wouldn't say she shot a, you know, incredible percentage, but did make some. Um, and then I think Peyton also had, you know, probably the t peak in terms of her shooting ability. Um, you know, I think she sh shot the ball from the three point line extremely well last year. And there's maybe been a little regression from her there and maybe not shooting quite as many either. So I think those are probably the two areas, you know, and Maya, just as a team, they aren't, you know, other than Madison Vlaston, I don't think they're probably shooting it um, like they did last year. So AJ seems to not be concerned. Uh, he keeps saying on the, the post games that he likes the shots they're getting. They're just not falling, but you know, we're halfway through the season here and haven't seen necessarily a, a huge improvement. So you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to identify. Yeah, and don't know what, you know, like I said, I the reason I was asking the question is I don't really have an answer for it. Um, but uh, it would be nice, you know, if they start hitting, you know, consistently, you know, 35% from three. Because then, you know, the 10-point victories turn into 15, 20-point victories um, and stuff like that. But not going to complain too much about, you know, a 10-point win. Um being undefeated in conference play and really matching expectations outside of the three-pointer, probably matching expectations or exceeding them at most levels. So 
Um, you know, four and all in conference play. I uh, got their fro- first road trip out of uh, out of the way uh, for conference play. So now they're going into their rivalry week um, with the North Dakota schools as well, and um, have a couple you know big matchups here at Frost. Yeah, so they also um, play the North Dakota schools just like the men. They start with North Dakota State um, on the Thursday night matchup. And unlike on the men's side where NDSU and UND have kind of been at the bottom of the Summit League, um, on the women's side, NDSU and UND have been, you know, at the top of the standings. And I think NDSU probably is the better team of the two, and they're the first matchup, so we'll go into them. They're 3-0 and in conference play. Um, so they've had one game postponed, but, you know, no, they, they, they beat – They just had their week with North Dakota. Oh, Yep, you're right. You're right. So they beat North Dakota at home by five and then also beat Western and St. Thomas. So uh, they also had a really good start to the year and, and they have some very experienced players on their team. Um, Heaven Hamling is probably going to be a first team Summit League player for sure. Uh, and, and she can really fill it up at the guard position for them. She's, I think, kind of like Maya and Peyton as sixth year seniors or fifth year seniors. So very veteran player, and they're they've been on the come up the past three years. The the new coach they got up there has really had them playing at you know a better level than what they have been. So it it's not going to be necessarily an easy matchup, but um, at home, one you expect the the Jackrabbits to win. Yeah, you know I would assume fans will still be around for that matchup. Uh, it is Thursday, um, so hopefully Frost is you know packed out. Start the, you know, for all the fans going down to Frisco, start the, uh, you know, hate Bison Trail there by the women game and then start migrating to Frisco. So hopefully Frost Arena, you know, is filled up because it is a big rivalry game and um, should be exciting. I know, I believe, I guess I don't know the, school, the student schedule. I assume they're not back. but uh, I think they are back this week, okay. maybe. Okay, but so yeah, I, maybe hopefully you have some more students at the the games. Uh, obviously, it's cool when all the little kids can kind of get in those areas, but it's obviously a different atmosphere if you can get college kids into the student section versus, uh, you know, middle school and elementary school kids. So um, hopefully a little bit better environment uh, for these home games for the women because, yeah, they might need it against NDSU. Um, I'm still sticking with my bold prediction of, you know, 20-point wins, so – we just had one setback, so hopefully we get the 20-point win here. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's a game you kind of expect a player like Maya to step up and, you know, really show why why she's the best player in the conference and dominate and kind of put her – really put a big foothold on that, you know, uh, that uh, award. Uh, for the Obviously, it's an individual award, but, um, you know, every elite athlete likes those awards, so – um, a big win here and a big performance from her would really give her that, you know, driver's seat uh, for that position if she's not already in it. Yeah, and like you said, you want your veteran players to step up in these rivalry matchups. So you're looking at Peyton, kind of the, the three players that had really good weekends for him this weekend, Tori, Peyton, and, and Maya to to do what they do because, you know, you have a player, Heaven Hamlin, coming in, she's – you know, super good shooter. I think she leads the the league in three-point field goals made per game, can get going. Uh, she also gets to the free throw line a lot, shoots 93% from the free throw line, so can't get her in foul trouble or, you know, commit fouls on her. Um, but other than that, they don't have anyone that, you know, has been super uh, effective for them. Taylor Brown's a nice player. She's, uh, you know, kind of more of a post for them, made 50 50- – one out of 107 shots on the year. And then um, Emily Benke has also been very consistent as a scorer for them. So, you know, can't let other people step up, but it should be a game where the Jackrabbits are expected to win and, and their veteran players need to step up. And hopefully we, or, you know, maybe we get a breakout game from Paige off the bench. We saw if it's a little bit more competitive game, her getting more minutes in that Oral Roberts game. So interesting to see her, her breakdown of minutes in this one. No, for sure. And um, I think, you know, obviously, like we said, NDSU is probably 
at this moment, probably the clear number two team in the conference. Um, you know, I think them and USD right now are showing that they're one or, you know, they're two and three, uh, where UND is a little bit, you know, I think people do probably still view them as a kind of a wild card team. Obviously they're two and one in conference play wins against the same schools as SDSU just beat in Western and St. Thomas, but a loss to North Dakota state. So I do think this is a big weekend for, you know, really both South Dakota, or North Dakota schools to show, you know, where they stand because USD still, you know, they're still three and one. So they're still going to try to be show that they're, you know, up there in the top tiers. Uh, so, you know, if NDSU can leave this uh, going one and one, if UND can go one and one, or, you know, if one of them pulls off the upset and goes two and oh, like that would probably be the best, you know, weekend for a non South Dakota school. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see uh, how this works for UND. Um, but I do think they're a real wild card because you don't really know how good they are at the moment. Yeah, and they have an even better score in the conference. They have a conference uh, leading score at 22 points a game in Casey Borowicz. Um, you know, she also can can really score it. They kind of go as she goes when she scores a lot of points. They they play pretty well, and when she's not scoring, they they don't play as well. And so, you know, when you have a player like that, um, they that's that important and takes that high of percentage of your team shots. It's important to try and limit that that player a little bit. But like you said, as far as uh, where they're going to finish, they're probably a little bit less of a complete team than NDSU. You know, these two teams did play last week and it was a five point game in Fargo. So they're, they're probably somewhat evenly matched. Um, but this, uh, this will be a big week for the Jackrabbit women. If they can get two bigger wins on their home court, you know, I think there, there's not a whole lot to worry about in the conference moving forward. No, and I agree. Um, and just one note on, you know, you brought up how their leading score is kind of their, you know, dominant player. It's kind of the benefit of playing 10 players uh, every game to really throw a lot of different wrinkles at her defensively, kind of like we talked about with the men uh, doing with um, on Grant Nelson. You can really throw three or four different girls at her or at them. And, you know, one of them or two of them get in foul trouble. You have those options coming off the bench that are already confident and, you know, know they can play with anybody. So, um it'll be an interesting matchup there but like i said like you said um they go 2-0 here and they have two dominating wins i think you know the the jackrabbits leave this weekend and the conference probably looks at it and goes oh crap like they are that good uh, that oral roberts game was a fluke this is a, a scary team to deal with and hopefully you know start getting back into that national conversation of being ranked yeah no i i totally agree uh, but yeah, I don't really have too many notes to add on there. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to go into there. Um, but without anything else, we will dive into uh, one of our last two segments here. And that is our player three stars of the week, which is brought to you by Culver's. Um, Culver's is obviously a great spot when you're traveling down to Frisco. Um, while obviously with all the snow, so you're not going to be able to get out and do it if you're in the Sioux Falls area, but if you're on Brookings and Watertowns and you're able to use the roads, you didn't get over a foot of snow, um, get to Culver's, grab a butter burger, maybe grab some custard before you drive down to the 64 degree weather in Frisco or whatever it's going to be. Um, but yeah, enjoy Culver's, uh, the ones in Brookings and Watertown are obviously the ones supporting us. So support them when you're in the area. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Cody, I will let you go into your first start of the week. Yeah, it was a tough week this week, you know, four, four victories undefeated uh, on both sides, a lot of personal, um, accolades as well. So we had, you know, I don't know if we mentioned all of these in the wrap ups, but Matt Dentlinger scored his a thousandth point for, mm -hmm. for the Jackrabbit men. Zeke Mayo was also the summer league player of the week. Tori Nelson scored her 1,000th point in her home state in the game against St. Thomas while also being the leading scorer there. Alex Arians became the all-time stat, uh, starts leader for the Jackrabbit mm -hmm. men with, like, I think his 126th start or, or something like that. He's been 128. So yeah. been starting since he was a freshman. Um, you know, past Reed telling he was in on that. We also had Maya move into third place all-time on the leading scorer chart. And I think she's just about set to pass 
Megan Vogel to become second all-time. And then Peyton also jumped into the top 10 of all-time scoring at 10th all-time. And she's, you know, probably going to pass a few more by the end of the season. So a lot of big personal accolades. But overall, I think for this week, my um, my star of the week is Tori Nelson. So she stepped up her game this week with two double-digit scoring performances, led the team against St. Thomas, while also scoring her 1,000th career point. And, um, you know, hopefully this propels her into a little bit more of a scoring role for the Jacks for the rest of the season. But I thought, you know, in totality of her two really good games – and then scoring her thousandth point, she deserved a star of the week. Yeah, hard to argue with that on the women's side specifically too. Uh, mine, uh, I think it's pretty obvious when you look at the men's side who's going to get it. He was awarded the Summit League Player of the Week. Uh, he had a scoring output of 33 points against uh, Western Illinois. Um, I don't think it was the, even the only 30-point scorer of the week too. I think uh, USD and a couple other teams had some 30-point scores. But Zeke is getting mine. Um, I believe he's gotten a couple already this year. But, uh, yeah, I think he's my uh, star of the week. I think, you know, when you're Summer League Player of the Week, hard to not give that out to him. Uh, but, yeah, no, not a whole lot to argue um, against him when it comes to, you know, kind of showing what his dominance performance. Doing a lot on the rebounding, too. He's kind of turned into that Baylor uh, Shireman-type rebounding role where, you know, he's going to be longer, a little bit more physical and get those boards. So, He's doing it more than just the scoring side of things. Um, but yeah, you know, 33-point outburst, something like that, uh, gets you recognized pretty quick. Um, but we will be tweeting out the poll with the rest of the names. Obviously, a lot of people for you guys to vote on. Uh, Cody ran through a few of them. We'll narrow it down to two men, two women, and put out a poll here later today uh, or later, you know, when this tweet comes out or when this podcast comes out. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Go vote for it. I think the last time you guys voted for yourselves as a third star of the week for sitting out in the cold of the football game. Uh, we're not going to give you an option to vote for yourself this go around. So uh, go look for that poll um, and we will uh, get that all tweeted out uh, for you this week. Um, and then as we quickly wrap up here as well, we'll do a quick standings update for everybody uh, for around the summit. Uh, obviously, like we said, SDSU leads it at four and oh, they're followed by NDSU who's three and oh, USD at three and one, UND at two and one, or Roberts, I think kind of surprising at two and two, Omaha one and one, Denver one and one, one and three for Western and St. Thomas and Kansas City are at 0 and four on the women's side. Um, and when we jump over to the men's side, um, sorry, my phone is just giving me issues flipping over to that here. Um, Oral Roberts leading it at three and oh. Kansas City, USD, and SDSU all two and one. St. Thomas is at two and two. Western Illinois, Omaha, Denver, and NDSU are all one and two. Well, UND is at the bottom at 0 and two. On the men's side, Cody, I think everyone kind of surprised with the NDSU start. Kansas City being two and one is kind of maybe surprising. I uh, haven't really looked into them too much. But uh, yeah, any surprises on the men or women's side for you? No, I think everything's kind of as expected other than, you know, how slow NDSU has been out the gate. Um, but this will be a big week. You know, there's a lot of interesting matchups in this, around the Summit League. We'll start to see maybe some teams separate themselves if they can get to that 5-0, 6-0 in terms of the top. And um, it should be a competitive week. So interested to see how it plays out. But as of now, it seems to be shaken out at least somewhat as expected. Agreed. Um I think obviously we'll we'll see how things turn out. I think you know looking too deep into the standings right now is uh, pretty hard to do just because everyone's only played a limited games. I think the only notable real news I saw uh, while we were recording was that USD put out that uh, Coach Peterson is progressing uh, with his injuries, so that's always a good thing. Obviously, haven't heard a whole lot on it, but obviously, uh, fall at the house and which has you know taken him away from coaching has to be pretty severe. So. Hearing it's progressing well is obviously a good thing, um, especially with everything kind of going on in sports right now. Um, all that health and safety concerns is on the forefront of everyone's mind. But uh, yeah, really other than that, there's no other real big breaking news, which is probably good for a small conference like the Summit to not have a whole lot of news every week. Um, but yeah, with that being said, that's all we have for this week's episode, Cody. 
And before we kind of do our normal wrap up, I think the last thing I want to say is this is our 50th episode as a podcast of the rabbit rundown. Um, so third year doing it. Just want to say thank you to everyone that's listening and has oh, been yeah. supporting us following along on Twitter. It's kind of a milestone to get to 50. We, you know, probably weren't too sure when we started it, how many of these we do, but it's been awesome, you know, kind of growing this, um, and just excited for, for, you know, where it might go the rest of the season and, and into the future. Yeah, for sure. 50 is a big milestone for us. Uh, but with that being said, we are running out of time here. So like, and subscribe, uh, on Twitter on where you listen to us and we will be back next week with episode number 51.